Hello, everyone, and welcome to Live Through Jesus with Courtney Gilmore. On this episode, The Unknown Future and Trusting God's Presence and His Ways. Episode 63, Lesson 4 of the Exodus Study. Now, just as a quick side note, I'll be reading all the scripture references for you, so you're free to just sit back, listen, and absorb, or you can grab your Bible and read along. Most of the time, I'll be reading from the New King James Version, but if I switch, I'll let you know. At the beginning of each episode, I'll introduce the title, so if you want the entire study in writing, you can go to livethroughjesus.com and buy it for under $5. Each one will cover two to three months' worth of episodes, and once you buy, then it'll be immediately available for download. In addition to a little extra studying, it also allows you the benefit of some charts and keyword definitions, but it isn't necessary. Okay, so let's get started. Just a couple of things before we get started. If you are listening to this in real time, then you were unaware that I was going to break for Christmas. And so I'm sorry about that. I wasn't really sure what I was going to do when I recorded the last podcast. Also, I thought that I would get a lot of writing done over the holidays and I would have this lesson out to you on the website in writing by the time that I recorded this next episode, but I just do not. It was a busy time. It was a great time. I had a wonderful time with my family, but I did not get a lot of work done. So I apologize if you are wanting this study in writing. Hopefully I will get it done soon. So let's remind ourselves what we talked about before Christmas. The Israelites have left Egypt and in the last episode, God delivered the Ten Commandments to the people. And in doing this, he came to them with loud thunderings and then a cloud of fire on top of Mount Sinai. And it scared the people so much that they told Moses, we do not want to hear from the Lord again directly. It is too scary. And so we want you to be our mediator. We want you to go and talk with God and we'll listen to whatever he tells you. We just don't want to hear his voice ourselves. Now, Moses assured them that if they are innocent people, they do not need to fear the Lord. The reason that God came to them in that way was so that they would be afraid to sin, not just to approach him in general. But the people did not want to hear God's voice again. And so we did not go over the Ten Commandments. And we also are not going to go over the next few things that God instructs the people. Because we're going to do that in an entirely different study. We're going to go over all the laws and instructions that God gave to Moses. So where we left off is that Moses had gone on the mountain and God is instructing him on matters of worship and civil issues. And that is what is in the end of chapter 20 all the way through chapter 23 of Exodus. And we are going to begin in chapter 23, verse 20, after God's given him instructions of these civil laws and the way that they're supposed to worship and what God tells him about entering the promised land. So that's where we're going to read today. So let's read Exodus 23, 20 through 33. It says, Behold, I send an angel before you to keep you in the way and bring you into the place which I've prepared. 
Beware of him and obey his voice. Do not provoke him, for he will not pardon your transgressions. For my name is in him. But if you indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. For my angel will go before you and bring you into the Amorites and Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and I will cut them off. You shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do according to their works, but you shall utterly overthrow them and completely break down their sacred pillars. So you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of you. No one shall suffer miscarriage or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. I will send my fear before you. I will cause confusion among all the people to whom you come and will make all your enemies turn their backs to you. And I will send hornets before you, which shall drive out the Hivites, the Canaanites, the Hittites from before you. I will not drive them out before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. Little by little I will drive them out before you until you have increased and you inherit the land. And I will set your bounds from the Red Sea to the sea, Philistia, and from the desert to the river. For I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand, and you shall drive them out before you. You shall make no covenant with them, nor with their gods. They shall not dwell in your land, lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it'll surely be a snare to you. So after God instructed Moses on matters of worship and civil issues, God told Moses to go into the promised land and that he would send his angel before him. And so he's reassuring him, you know, you are not going into this unknown land alone. I'm going to send my angel ahead of you and he's going to guide you and protect you. And he says, this angel holds my name. And so you are to completely obey his instruction and not rebel against him. And then God gives them another if-then statement. He's done this before. And this time he says, if you will obey him, then I will be an enemy to your enemies. I will be an adversary to your adversaries. God's going to bless their food and their water so that they do not get sicknesses. He's going to keep sickness away from them, keep them healthy, give them children. And he's going to sustain their lives. So all they have to do is just obey God. Follow this angel. Do what he says. And then their lives will be blessed. And he tells them, listen to exactly how he puts this in verse 20. He says, I will send an angel before you to keep you in the way and bring you into the place that I have prepared for you. So Even though this place is unknown to Moses and the Israelites, it is not unknown to God. God has completely prepared this place for them, and he knows exactly what waits them there. He's going to be with them, and he's going to bless their obedience. And, you know, I don't know what you guys are like. Some people love the unknown because they love the adventure of it. I personally think it's scary. I think it's scary to go to places that I don't know. I have no idea what to expect. I'm just not adventurous in that way. I would like to stay in my comfortable place, even if sometimes that comfortable place isn't great, just because it's familiar. And it can be hard to go into a place that we do not know what to expect. But what we have to do is we have to remember that our future is not unknown to God. God can see even into the future. 
He knows everything that lays ahead of us, and He has the ability to prepare the way for us so that when we get to this place, it's ready for us. And not only that, but He's walking with us the whole way. You know, when you're a kid, your parents are your safe people. And so you may not be willing to go into a room even without your parents because you need them there with you in order to feel safe. But if they're with you, then they're your constant. They're your comfort. They're the ones that you know, no matter where you are, what is going on, they're with you. They're going to protect you. That's the way the relationship between a parent and a child is supposed to be. And that is exactly what it's like with our father, God. We have no reason to fear going anywhere as long as our Father God is with us. He is our constant. He's our safe place. He's our protector. He is the one that prepares the way. He's the one that protects us from our enemies. We know that we are safe whenever we're with Him. So whatever is unknown to us is fully known to Him. And as long as we're with Him, everything is fine. Now, the Israelites, they had an angel. The disciples had Jesus, but we have the Holy Spirit. God exists in three persons. We have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so whenever the people in the New Testament saw God, they saw Jesus. But we have God in the form of the Holy Spirit. And listen to what Jesus says about that. He's talking to the disciples before his death, and he wants them to know that just because he is going to be gone, they're not going to be totally alone. God never wants his people to enter into the unknown place alone. He isn't leaving us like, okay, I freed you from that. Now go. Good luck. Hope it works out for you. That's not the kind of God that we have. And Jesus is doing the same thing. That's what God is telling these Israelites here. I didn't just bring you out of Egypt to send you into the promised land all alone and hope it all works out for you. And Jesus is doing the same thing here. Before he leaves his disciples, he's assuring them, you're not alone. Listen to what he says in John 14, 16 through 18. I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever the spirit of truth, whom the world can't receive because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him because he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So Jesus is telling them, God is going to send you someone else to help you. Now I'm here to help you. But after I'm gone, there will be another spirit of truth that will stay with you all the time. He will help you and he will tell you the truth. Then skip down to verse 25 of that same chapter. It says, These things I've spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I've said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You've heard me say to you, I'm going away and coming back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said I'm going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. So Jesus is telling them here, I'm letting you know while I'm with you what's going to happen so you know that you're not going to be alone. And this helper, this Holy Spirit that God sends to you, he's going to teach you all things. And he's going to bring to remembrance all the things that I've already told you. And he's going to give you peace. So we know that this spirit will help us 
This spirit will tell us the truth. It will teach us things and remind us of the things that we already know. And it will give us peace. Just in these few verses, Jesus is telling the disciples the same thing that God is telling Moses. I'm not leaving you orphaned. I'm not going to just send you out into this unknown place and say, good luck. And so just as they had the angel, we now have the Holy Spirit. And that is a more perfect and complete presence than the Israelites had or even the disciples. Now, the next part that we need to talk about in this passage is how God warned them that when the angel brought them into this promised land, they could not bow down to the gods of the people that lived there. They couldn't make treaties with them and they can't just live there with them. God said, I'll give them over to you, but you have to completely overthrow them. You have to completely destroy all the things that they use for worship. Because God knew that they were going to cause the Israelites to go astray if they compromised with them, made treaties with them, or just tried to live peaceably with them. Those people would influence them eventually. And God said, you have to destroy all of the things that they use for worship because you have no need for their gods. Your God is going to provide every single thing that you need. You do not need any of those things. And so when you come across them, you have to completely destroy them. So you're never tempted to rely on a God that doesn't even fulfill all of your needs in the first place. I already told you what I will do if you will just obey me. And if you will not compromise yourself or allow yourself to be swayed by these people or their gods, then I will give you all the things that you need. God had already told them he's going to bless their food. He's going to bless their bodies. He's going to bless their lives and protect them from their enemies and give them their enemies land. Again, all they have to do is obey him and look to him instead of the things of this world. God told them, I'm going to make the inhabitants there afraid of you. I'm going to confuse all their efforts that come against you and I'm going to make them run away from you. But then I want you to also notice that God told them, I'm not going to do this all, even in the first year. This is not going to be immediate. It's going to be little by little that he drives them out and increases their territory and eventually gives them full possession of the land. The reason for this is because he said, if I drive them out all at once and they all die all at once in your land, then you're going to be overrun by wild beasts. And your land's going to become desolate. Everything is going to be completely ruined by this war if I have it all happen at once. Now, I do want to say how he says, I will send hornets before you that will drive the people out. There's discrepancy as to what that exactly means. If it means some sort of pestilence or plague that completely drives the people out from before them, or if it's some armies that go ahead of them and kill the people that are in the land. We're not really sure, but whatever it is, God is going to defeat the people, but he just told them it's not going to be immediate. You know, the defeat is going to be gradual. And this is hard, right? This is hard for us because we don't want to wait for God's plan to be fulfilled in our lives. We want the victory to come quickly and easily. The process is long. The process is hard. We don't want that. And we may be tempted to think, you know, God, if you're the ruler of all heaven and earth, then why in the world do you have to do it this way? You know, you spoke the whole world into existence in six days. So 
why does your deliverance take so long? Why does your plan take so long when it doesn't have to? You know, why does he choose this process when he can change our circumstances in an instant, right? He's totally powerful and capable of doing these things. Just the sound of his voice, he can command things to be. The Bible says that he can even speak to the water and tell it what to do. He tells the water, stop here, it says in the Psalms. So God has complete ability to do these things in an instant. He's not bound by the things of this earth. And so he doesn't have to have the process like people do. And so why does he choose the process sometimes if he doesn't have to? That's the question, right? Because he didn't have to do it like this. God could have made it where also the beasts weren't overrunning the land and the land didn't become desolate and torn up by this war. He could have made that happen, but he chose not to. He chose to work within the bounds of this earth. And so why does he do that? Well, one thing I want to say to you is that he doesn't always. Sometimes he does do the miraculous, instantaneous thing that only he can do. But sometimes he does use the process and we don't always know. Thankfully, he told the Israelites why he was using this process. But we don't always know why God uses the process in our own lives. We just have to trust that he knows and that if he doesn't have to work within the bounds of that process, but he still chooses to, that means that it's the right way to go about it for us. You know, the process may just be a slower, easier transition for us. If we had some instantaneous new life, it might be too overwhelming for us and we might not be able to handle it. There may be something that God's trying to teach us through the process, some way that he wants to grow us. And so we have to know that if he doesn't have to use the process, but he chooses to, that he has a reason. And, you know, just like he did for the Israelites, he can little by little destroy everything that is in our way. And he can increase us until we've gained complete possession of whatever the plan is that he has for us, right? The thing is, is that again, like the Israelites, we have to trust and obey him. He's going to be with us and he will defeat the things that stand in the way of his plan and bring that plan about into our lives. But we can't allow ourselves to be compromised by this world any more than the Israelites could allow themselves to be compromised or make treaties with the people that lived in the land. They couldn't allow the people there to lead them astray. And we also cannot allow the things of this world or the people of this world to lead us astray. We have to follow God. We have to remind ourselves that he is sufficient. He's enough for us. He has the power to bless us and protect us. But we, just like them, how they couldn't look to other gods, they couldn't look to idols, they couldn't look to the things of this world for their deliverance or for answers, we also cannot look to the things of this world. God is enough for us. He can bless us and bring about the plans that he has for our lives, just like he did for the Israelites. But it's the same for us as it was for them. That is, if we obey him. If we wait on him and keep his way, you know, if these Israelites followed the angel and went to the place that the angels hooked them, then the angel would protect them. But what would have happened if they would have gotten off the path? Then they wouldn't be in the presence of the person that could protect them. And it's the same for us. We have to follow God and follow his ways, trust his ways 
and just hope in him because we know that he knows our future. He knows the unknown place. He has ability to prepare it for us and protect us from the things that will keep us from inheriting this plan he has for us. But we just have to follow him. We have to know that he loves his children. He's able to bring about his plans for us. And whatever way he chooses to do that, we know it's the right way. Wherever he leads us is the right way. Wherever God is, is where we want to be. We never, ever want to be away from him because he is our protector. He's the one that can bless us. He's the one that can prepare things. And he is the one that has all of the answers and the abilities that no one else, no other thing, nothing of this world has. So I want to read you a couple of verses before we end. This is Psalm 27, 14, and it says, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Wait on God. He'll give you the strength, but you just have to wait on him. Now listen to Psalm 37, 34. Wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. So wait on him, but not only wait, but keep his way. Do what you're supposed to do while you wait. And then he will lift you up and he will give you the inheritance that he's prepared for you in the future. And he'll protect you from all of the things that come against that. Last verse, Lamentations 3.26. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. So hope in God and wait. And know that he will save you. He will bring about whatever the plan is that he has for your life. Nothing is unknown to him. Nothing is out of his hands. Nothing is beyond his power. All of his ways are good and right. And we just need to trust and obey. I don't know if you guys have seen Fireproof, but it's a movie about a marriage that's fallen apart because they're not doing things the way that the Lord is wanting. And the husband begins to do things the way that God wants, but his wife is not being responsive quickly enough. But he's continuing to do what God tells him to do and just waiting for her to come around. And this song by John Waller is playing in the background as we see him just following God and doing what he's supposed to do, waiting on his wife to come around. And so I want to read you a couple of these words because, you know, this is definitely a biblically based song and goes completely along with the things that this lesson is teaching us. And it says, I'm waiting on you, Lord, and I'm hopeful. I'm waiting on you, Lord, though it's painful, but patiently I'll wait. I'll move ahead, bold and confident, taking every step in obedience. I'll serve you while I'm waiting. I'll worship while I'm waiting. I won't faint. I'll be running the race even while I wait. I'm waiting on you, Lord, and I'm peaceful. I'm waiting on you, Lord, though it's not easy, but faithfully I'll wait. That's what God calls us to do. Continue to take every step in obedience and hope in him, wait in him, know that he has the ability to fulfill the future that he has for you. And our part is just to trust and obey. Sure, you know that old hymn also, trust and obey. So that's our job, the things that we need to take out of this lesson today. 
He knows the unknown places. He is with us. His spirit is our helper, our truth, our teacher, our reminder, and our peace. We cannot allow ourselves to compromise with this world. We cannot allow ourselves to be led astray by it or to trust in its power or look to it for answers. Wait on God, keep his way, hope in him, believe in his power and his ability to bring about the plans that he has for your life to prepare the way for you and that he will always be with you. So that's all we have for today. Next episode, we will be going over Exodus 24 and the blood covenant that God makes with his people. So make sure that you subscribe so you don't miss that episode. Leave me a five-star review wherever you're listening. Comments also. You can email me at Courtney at livethroughjesus.com. Thanks and have a good day.